0: Hello, welcome to Punching Out. I'm Ryan, joined today by Earl Hello. and Rich. Howdy. As we record this, the federal government is shut down. Um, a great number of people are either not at work or at work, but not being paid. Um, this might change by the time this airs, but probably not in all likelihood. It does not feel like it, Yeah.
1: Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi are showing unusual backbone on this. So yeah, this this strange. this might go on for a while.
0: <laughs> I, it's welcome, but it's I, have... I
1: I I don't know how to feel. How to, what to do. I'm, yeah. I'm so used to just because we had a
0: shutdown last year that lasted like a weekend. Yeah, mm. and now we're on like week three or four. Yes, yeah,
1: already the longest shutdown in the history of Republican shutdowns, uh, which is what we should call it. Uh, right. This is this is a tactic that the anti-government explicitly anti-government party of ours uh, prefers because uh, they don't think there are any meaningful things that government does except murder foreigners and immigrants. <laughs> right. And Just the should, essentials. We
0: should talk about that when we're talking about a shutdown. What are we talking about? Is We're talking about the shutdown of things like uh, food stamps and things like Social Security and benefits that people rely on, but we're not talking about shutting down the military. We're not talking about... Shutting down effectively the right wing government
1: as we speak. And as this airs, uh, drone strikes are going on unimpeded, uh, us military operations are going on uninterrupted. And I don't even remember how many countries it is now. Oh yeah. A, a good. Two thirds of the world, right. uh, now has a us military presence. Uh, those aren't being interrupted at all. But like Ryan said, uh, social security, uh, basic government services not happening. Um, those aren't considered essential by a, an utterly arbitrary standard that only considers the national security state essential, right. does not consider uh, any, any facet of the social welfare state essential. Yeah. Oh. And it should absolutely be the other way around.
0: Yeah, there's a, there's a piece in The Nation that I thought was really good about you know, how we should view this sort of thing. It, the, the headline is pretty clear. It says, uh, it's not a government shutdown, it's a right-wing coup. Adam Johnson is the author here. He makes the point that the government isn't really shut down. Um, To quote, If the last shutdown is any guide, the military, Trump's luxurious vacations, soft power, our bombing of seven Muslim-majority countries, NSA bulk surveillance, agencies that prop up the oil and gas industry, the CIA's arming and funding of Syrian rebels, and the FBI's entrapment regime will remain entirely untouched. The parts of government that serve the poor and working class, however, will be first on the chopping block. Libraries, tax collection, national parks, labor and safety regulators, the Commodity Futures Trading Commission, which oversees the derivatives market, environmental regulators, financial regulators, welfare, and WIC will all be axed. So that sort of kind of puts in perspective what this is in reality, I think.
2: Right yeah. and and one of the things too that uh, you know doing research and stuff for the the article, the administration can basically now at this point p- pick and choose, who they deem – they're basically recalling people to add to the list of people that they deem, quote-unquote, essential so that things that they care about get done. Or whether it's things that they care about, things like oil and gas leases and things like that, uh, or it's things that just look so bad for them politically that they need to recall people, like processing tax refunds and things like that, like where they know that if tax refunds don't go out – uh, people are going to lose their minds, and so they recall f- whatever it was, 50,000 IRS employees or something like that to help process these. All of a sudden, they're essential um, because it suits their you know, political needs or just whatever. Maybe they just want their tax returns. Who the hell
1: knows? And yeah. still, still not getting paid, but they, still, have, they right. have to come to the right. office to right. uh, keep keep the political hopes and dreams of the Republican Party alive, which right. are utterly dependent on right. timely tax returns.
0: Right, right, yeah. What's the figure on this? Is it... Is, because I've seen it's like eight hundred thousand government employees not being paid or something along those lines. That's
2: the that's what I I got too. That it's eight hundred thousand people are affected, and then f- uh, the last number I read, the most recent one, was that there's four hundred thousand working without pay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so and and then of those people, um, well, of the eight hundred thousand, I think is what is what I'm going to talk about now. They said something about like 100, about one hundred ten thousand make fifty k or less, um, and. Most TSA agents uh, are making somewhere in the neighborhood of thirty thousand dollars. So, uh, and they one of the estimates is the average person has lost about five thousand dollars since the shutdown from their wages. Yeah. And if you're making, you know, even if you're making fifty k, but if you're especially in the 30 k range or something like that, uh, five thousand dollars goes missing. That's a huge deal. That's like. I mean, if you're 30k is already uh, depending on where you live, week to week, you yeah. know, and so four or five weeks, you're talking about no money coming in, and that's just
1: I, ima- imagine going a month without pay. Right? How quickly yeah. your life would get upended. Like I, I, right. I, I make a similar salary to most federal employees, and I would my would be at the bottom of my bank account at this point. Right? You know, just a month, two paychecks. Yeah. You know, I, I feel like that's a common situation for many Americans. Yeah. Is we – We just can't have savings because of the way the economy is set up and, you know, government employees in particular, it's famously, you're doing it not for the money, you're doing it, you know, for the benefits to be sure, but for public service, you're not doing it to get rich (laughs) in government service.
2: Well, it's, and it's more, it's tougher for people in that, you know, are making average or below average incomes to recover from those things too, because while they're, while they're not getting paid, they're used they don't have savings like you you mentioned, or a lot of people don't, and so they're using credit card debt, yep and then and so then when they if if they do in fact get retroactively paid, it costs them money, like even if they got paid every cent that they were owned, they're still taking a net loss, and you know credit card rates are notoriously not great for people that don't are, that aren't wealthy and you know what I mean so it's it becomes actually expensive even if you get retroactively
1: paid and so they will get retro or i should clarify the permanent employees of the federal government will get retroactive pay. When this eventually ends, but for contracted employees, this is just a loss. Right, like they will they will not get this time or this money back right now. Yeah, and so you know there there's large swaths of the federal government that are or the workers of the federal government who are really suffering and will have a hard time digging themselves out of this hole. Yeah, out of I don't think we've mentioned just to be clear, an utterly asinine plan to build a right concrete steel border spanning. Yeah. Wall. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: There's not a lot of good reasons for this to happen, maybe none, but this is a particularly dumb one. Mm-hmm.
0: And the a lot of like the media coverage has tr- tried very hard to play this both sides story of, you know. Right. Uh did you see like the AP tweet about actually Chuck Schumer, it takes two to tango right. on this when he Ugh.
1: Trump wants a $5 billion wall and Schumer doesn't want to pay for it. Uh, Therefore, both are equally to blame for the government shutdown is basically the gist of their, their their fact checking.
2: Yeah. 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 For, yeah. I've heard the term compromise, compromise, compromise a lot. And it's like, Oh, how you're not supposed to compromise with with dumb ideas. (laughs) I'm sorry. I don't care. Dumb, racist, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. uh, Yeah. Dumb is the fascist uh, ideas. There's, there's no good idea here.
0: Right. (laughs) And, Really, what this sets as, you know, this is being our default for these quote-unquote shutdowns is it creates a sort of perverse incentive if you're a Republican legislator to have these shutdowns. By virtue of doing nothing, you have, you know, pared down the government to what you say it should have been in the first place. You know, you right. have, you know, starved the beast is the line they always go to. This, oh. is, this is what that looks like
2: right yeah yeah and again yeah like you both mentioned before they're they're not having any trouble finding people to do the jobs that they deem necessary uh so they're just yeah again it's it's just total totally hypocritical of them starve the beast but they're not doing it equally well i mean it's it's a libertarian
1: uh imaginary of what the government should look like and that's one that purely exists to violently protect property uh and empire and nothing else right
0: And these, like, distinctions being made about what is and is not essential, these aren't democratic in any real way. These are, you know, unelected, you know, bureaucrats, you know, saying this is essential and this is not, basically.
2: Yeah. Well, and one of the things that I thought was particularly, or or, that I do think is particularly monstrous about this stuff is that there are agencies like, you know, know, however you may feel about FEMA and how they handle things, uh, maybe the FDA is a better example, but... Um, those, those agencies are operating on skeleton crews and those, they're responsible for, I mean, FDA is a better example, I guess. Like they're responsible for food safety and things like that. So they, you know, they're one, we're like one natural disaster away from this being even worse. It's already bad, but like if, if we have some really bad luck here, uh, it could get much worse very quickly because they're just, you know, they have contingency plans in place, but there's people, they're not at work. They're not there. (laughs)
0: So basically what you're saying is if you want to make Americans more unhealthy, now's your time to do it. Right, yeah, yeah,
2: exactly, yeah, yeah.
1: Just it's, don't bother washing your food, uh, right. throw whatever medicine you want in the market. It's, right. a, it's a free-for-all. It, yeah. Like I said, it's a libertarian imaginary. Go nuts.
0: And, buyer beware, Listen. <laughs> and a lot of people won't experience maybe the direct effects of this right away. Food stamps, like we talked about, they're – still funded through, like, February, I think. And
1: so is Social Security, to be clear. Like, Mm -hmm. there there are parts that still have funding because of arcane arrangements I don't fully understand.
0: There was something I saw, though, where, like, retail outlets have to reapply to the government to accept uh, EBT and and those sorts of funds, and some of those re-registrations came up during the shutdown, and they're unable to process those, Yep. which... Means if you go to that store and you pay with your EBT, you can't do that right now. So and
1: doc- doctors who prescribe medicine uh, have to have DAA licenses, and if they've expired at any point during the shutdown, uh, they haven't been able to renew them. Oh, so wow. that, that's creating uh, some log jams in the hospitals yeah, I didn't too. Know, I, know. I didn't
2: know either one of either one of those. That's yeah. So yeah, even if you get your food stamps, you potentially can't use them depending on where you. I mean, because a lot of people, you know, they don't have. Mm-hmm. Transportation to get somewhere else, like.
0: Mm-hmm. But the drug I, thing is I crazy. I think though. by yeah. and large, a lot there are some people who aren't who are feeling the effects of this right away. But so far, it's <clears> isolated. <throat> but when we talk about like TSA or uh, stuff like that being, you know, not getting paid, there's been a lot of talk about TSA employees calling in. When this stuff starts impacting the sorts of people who take flights, that that's when it becomes. You, you start to realize. Hey, we kind of need these things. We, yeah,
1: we do not need the TSA well, to be clear. Yeah. The, the well, security theater; those are jobs that should not exist. Uh, I urge every TSA agent to call out sick and never go back. And let's uh, let's put an end to the TSA the old-fashioned way. We will get to that. Yeah. Um,
0: but you know, for a lot of suburbanites, you're sort of you know quarantined from the imp- impact of this, which gets back to th- this idea that really this is just hitting the poor and the working class the hardest. Right. Yeah. And I don't know if either of you saw this. There was like a a Daily Caller piece from an anonymous member of the White House administration talking about how they want this shutdown to go on for as long as possible. Because as we talked about, this is their ideology, you know, breaking down the government to what they view as absolutely necessary, which is like, you know, military and police. Right. Yeah, yeah. You know, I hadn't heard that
2: uh, explicitly, or, or the exact thing that you're mentioning. But, um, and honestly, shame on me for that not even occurring to me uh, during the whole thing. I just was looking at it as you know,
1: it, it, crappy political tactics. But uh, it yeah. is a perfect encapsulation of Trumpism, where uh, our worm brain president <laughs> does something he feels like doing. It doesn't make any sense, uh, but just incidentally around uh, his. <laughs> Jibberings and his <laughs> poor ideas. Uh, a well established entrenched right wing ideological project has been able to uh, put itself into place in every facet of the administration, uh, deregulating, uh, disempowering agencies. And this is just the latest, most public, uh, certainly most visible attack on yeah. the actual function of the federal government we've seen from this crew yet.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. And as things stand, neither side really has a reason to back down because if you're on the right, you know, this is what you've wanted basically. Big deal, we're rich. And if <sighs> they're fine. And right. even the Democrats have seen, you know, public support during this. They've seen polls say, yeah, we blame the president. Correctly. Right. Yeah, no no one
1: there's there's no real constituency in the Democratic Party that wants this wall built. Right. And there's a lot of pressure I think on Pelosi and Schumer to hold the line. Uh, And I'm not criticizing them. They absolutely should. A zero dollar should go toward the wall. Uh, But we also, you know, we're mindful that people are being actively harmed because of uh, this utterly Trump-created monstrosity.
2: Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, like you mentioned, most people on either Democrat or Republican is not— Affected by this directly, they right. don't care. This can go on for. I mean, again, Congress—they're still if you're getting a paid. Legislator, yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. They're still—they're yeah, still, they're still getting paid. Number one, I mean, number one, they're still getting paid. Number two, they likely don't need that salary. Most of them don't need that salary right. in the first place. Like,
1: like, you know? like, hero of the left, uh, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez pointed out, it's bonkers that Congress is still getting paid through a shutdown. That the president right. or his cabinet members or his staff are all getting paid through this as well. Right. Uh, again, just, how, uh, just to underscore again how arbitrary, essential versus non-essential yeah. are.
2: Well, and how yeah. differing the definitions are. Because I right. feel like if you ask a layperson, like, who's the least, who's the least <laughs> essential <laughs> person in government, they're going to go, uh, Clearly the president. Congress or <laughs> part... Yeah, like, or, yeah, pre- or any, yeah, any, like, legislators, and so there's going to be, like, those, those suits and blah, 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 like, they, you know, but it's, yeah, it's just, it's madness.
0: <laughs> and it, sort of, this gets to a distinction between, like, federal and local government. Because you've made the point on this show, like if garbage collection stops, people notice. Right. Know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, we haven't yet gotten to that point here. Um, yeah. Well, and I think
2: you, you astutely pointed out that it's because a lot of people that the people that are making these decisions for the most part, whether it's legislators in particular or people, uh, you know, suburbanites who are, uh, you know, more politically active in voting and things like that. They're just so far away from this issue that they just, they, they can afford to look at it as political theater and sort of, Look at this thing abstractly, whereas the people that who uh, I can't—they've been going to the same store for twenty years to use their wick or whatever can't yeah. now all of a sudden, or their doctor can't prescribe something to them because they can't. You know, that's that's, yeah. Those people generally aren't in a position of power to do anything about this stuff.
1: it's easy to ignore because we're going to see the consequences of the Trump administration and the shutdown, uh, not in anything that's happening in the short term, but in things like degrees Celsius of warming. Mm -hmm. 10 15 20 years down the road Mm -hmm. or projects that should have been started now by the government for infrastructure or research uh that didn't start or were otherwise hamstrung uh so the impact of this uh is going to loom for the rest of our lives
2: yeah yeah i never thought about that things like i mean if you've ever worked at an like, uh, if you, uh, hopefully most people don't experience this, but have you ever worked at a place that had, like, a sudden shutdown because of, like, say your office flooded or something like that? Say
0: it, you had two feet of snow. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: And even, yeah, so let's say you even lose a day or two. Like, but if you lose a couple weeks. Now, imagine trying to go back into work after... The work the work keeps coming in, but now right. you're two weeks behind. So now imagine you work in uh, government, which is you know known for its efficiency, not a bureaucratic place at all.
1: I've, I've not uh, heard much about paper or proverbial red tape being an issue. Right? Yeah, never never heard know? that.
2: But so you imagine you work in a place like that now, and you've been you know things have ground to a halt for five weeks think of the things that are going to slide through the cracks yeah. because just because your paperwork is now went from a hill to a mountain.
1: And think about how your morale is going to be like even as you go oh, back God. like you're yeah. you're not going to be no. nor should you be on your game because right. the people in charge have proven they don't care about you. You don't matter to them. Yeah. You're just yeah. like the rest of us who are who are nothing yeah. to these people.
2: Which is, you know, honestly kind of a shame because I I don't know which I can't remember exactly which article it was okay. uh, of the several that you know reading f- research for this article, but uh, a lot of the people that have these, this isn't just a job for them. You know, there's people that are, I don't know about the TSA necessarily, but there's people that are passionate about their job. Like if you work at the EPA or or the FDA or something, you might take food safety very seriously and feel sure. like a sense of honor about your job. And now here you, you are. You just feel like, like
0: you're providing something.
2: Right. Yeah. And in and, and a, lot, a lot of the cases, you actually are.
1: Again, not the TSA. But, and If you uh, work yeah. for the TSA and you consider your job important and meaningful, I urge you to quit. You're not liked or respected. <laughs> <laughs> Stop working.
0: On that note, we're, we're going <laughs> to transition after this break to you know other things happening in the world and in this country.
2: You're listening to Punching Out on W-A-Y-O-L-P Rochester. If you'd like to continue slacking off, you can find all of our past episodes on iTunes and SoundCloud. Remember, your boss isn't listening, but we are.
0: Welcome back to Punching Out. I'm Ryan, joined still by Earl and Rich. We've been talking about the ongoing government shutdown and why that term probably isn't the best way to describe what's really happening. You know, What is asen- considered essential and non-essential by the government, what is being shut down and not shut down is very arbitrary and in many ways defined by our right wing. Um, one thing that hasn't been impacted by the shutdown so far is the post office, which continues pace, you know, even as many other federal workers uh, are not being paid or not at work. Um, and recently, there was a strike by our neighbors to the north by the Canada Post, the workers there, and Rich, I think you wanted to talk about that and the parallels that has to... I wanted to
1: do a whole episode about the Canada Post strike, but it turns out there's not a big audience for Canadian labor politics in uh, Rochester, New York. So th- this is this is my moment to shine as a <laughs> as someone who follows uh, such things. Uh, so un- unlike uh, the United States Postal Service, which is a weird kind of quasi public private entity, uh, Canada Post is part of the federal government of the of Canada. And back in November and December, uh, Canada Post went on strike. Uh, against the Canadian government uh for you know the the usual things uh pay bumps benefits uh workplace conditions things as like one that does. as 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 workers do um, but they didn't undertake uh a kind of proper classic strike where they just went off the job all at once they undertook a tactic uh, of rolling strikes uh where across the nation for 24 hours uh, different cities would be affected by strikes. So for instance on day one of the strike uh, back in November Edmonton, Windsor, uh, Halifax and I think Victoria and British Columbia were the postal workers there were all on strike for 24 hours and then the next day they were back on the job and that day the workers in Toronto went out. Um, the goal of this I imagine was to not lose public sympathy. They still wanted to deliver the mail. We uh, and Sorry, the Ray.
0: idea is that, you know, there are a lot of people who do rely on the post office even in this day and age, yeah.
1: Right, yeah, people people yeah. getting medicine delivered, for instance, or, you know, otherwise essential communications. It's an important mm-hmm. choke point, for lack of a better word, in uh, the economy. Um, and so they were they were hoping to cause pain without causing harm, uh, mm-hmm. I guess is the maybe the way to think about it.
0: It's yeah. a hard balance to strike, yeah. even in the best mm-hmm. of circumstances.
1: Right, and I think everyone... Uh, following the strike in Canada was aware immediately that it was ineffective, counterproductive, and ultimately it ended the way strikes often do. The government broke it. Mm -hmm. You know, no matter how charming a prime minister or president may be, how diverse their cabinet, uh, they're still servants of capital – uh, so everyone's favorite boyfriend, Justin Trudeau, uh, and the Liberal government of Canada passed legislation ending the strike, which you can do there, uh, which made it basically a crime to continue the rolling strikes. Uh, so now they're defanged. Uh, the rolling strikes didn't accomplish anything, and they're negotiating from a place of utter weakness for a contract that, as of uh, recording this, is still unsettled.
0: It, it seems like this rolling tactic, you know, ideally you would want such a tactic to be Building upwards instead of you know just sort of alternating right. between places. Yeah.
2: yeah, I can see it being a decent tactic. It's like all right, we're going to start like this, and then every week that goes by, we're going to add, we're going to do another day. You know, one day this week, next week it's two days, and then until you get all the way up to it's like a you know a accumulation type. I, I,
1: I'm a maximalist. If you're going to strike, just, just strike. Do it. Right. Everyone yeah. go out. Yeah. Everyone stay out until the contract's up. Yeah.
2: I mean that's that's yeah that seems to be <laughs> historically the most effective way to do it. Right. Uh, um, but I mean,
1: especially considering the way it ended, it was just utterly ineffective they, yeah, just it would have made, if they had just gone out entirely, uh, the result would have been the same, but maybe uh, the extra hardship they caused, which is the point of a strike is to cause hardship for capital mm-hmm. uh, would have led to a settlement that may be beneficial for the Canada post workers
0: the, the, to what To what extent is somebody in that job capable of causing harm to capital I guess
1: well, like I said, they're a choke point in the economy. They, you know, they're they're delivering essential communications. Even in the e age, uh, there's still documents that need to go through the post. There's still material that's shipping through the post. Uh, think about the significance of Amazon to our economy. It's right, just yeah. as true in Canada as well. Um, and so, you know, by shutting down that facet of the economy, you're especially- revealing
0: especially. And you had pointed this out, during November and December. We right, yeah. Right. I, should, I
1: should have emphasized that point. This was during the holiday season. November and December shipping. So in, in that sense, they were being strategic. They wanted these rolling strike uh, strikes to come during uh, the time when there is the most sheer mass of mail going through. And that's part of why Trudeau… When people
0: are mo- most concerned.
1: With- and when, yeah, when people want to get their, their toys and their, yeah. their cards out and in on time. Which I'm sympathetic with, serpent certainly. I, yeah. I, I like getting Christmas cards, sure. uh, but no, I sure. also like postal workers to get a just wage. So right. yeah. I'm, I'm I'm I'd happily balance that.
2: Yeah.
0: Now, in contrast to the you know Canada Post strike, we have an all-out strike here in the U.S. in the city of Los Angeles. We have the Los Angeles Teachers Union, uh, UTLA, I believe, is their official name, um, has gone on strike as of last week. I think yeah. they've you know walked out. En masse, Um I don't know if you've seen like the photos. There's like crowds of tens of thousands of yeah. teachers decked out in red yeah, really beautiful. You know, yeah. in the streets of L.A. And it this week has apparently been the one week where they get rain. Yeah, yeah. Get L.A. Rain. doesn't yeah. rain
1: in L.A. except right. on the first day of yeah. the strike. It's too. already
2: <laughs> chaos in L.A. because it's raining. And now there's people wandering around in red yeah. ponchos.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And they've... This is something we touched on uh, when Nicole and Noah were on for our teacher episode. They mm-hmm. talked about how uh, the teachers there have been demanding, you know, an end to charterization of the public school district there and, yeah. and um, a reduction in class sizes, which there can be as high as like forty nine, I think, is their cap. Yeah, yeah which is absurd. Yeah, oh, it,
1: yeah. A, a friend of mine is, or a comrade, I should say, in DSA L A, wanted me to make the point that. Uh What sets this strike apart is that the teachers and the administration were mostly in a gr- in accord on salary, like so the bread and butter stuff with the contract was settled. what they 're going on strike about is, like Ryan said, charterization uh, but also in, in capsized, but also about improving services for students. They want to hire more librarians, they want to hire more nurses. Yeah. Uh, they want to hire more social workers and psychologists for the school i 've heard some schools in l a have a nurse on staff for two hours a day. Right. And they just rotate through the schools like that's unacceptable. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're a student, and
0: uh, even if you're a nurse, you know having to go between right. schools, right. you know, two yeah. times a day or whatever.
1: Sure, okay. you know it's just not a, a stable or sustainable work condition for anyone involved in it. And that's where uh, this, the the government in la is not budging is they don't want to meet the uh, you know the attempts to improve the workplace. Yeah. For for students and workers alike, for teachers and students,
0: and it seems like this strike, in contrast to the you know uh, Canada Post strike, has you know some real power behind it. It feels I this is just an impression from afar, but you know they've been they've had solidarity. They've been able to you know effectively shut down schools. I know there have been um, substitutes in class, but uh, one of the stories we read talked about how. You know, the few substitutes who have broken through are the sorts who are just going to put on a DVD and, you know, ask students to write about it at the end of right. the class.
1: There, there's a great uh, article in Splinter that we read about, or it was a personal article by a, a substitute teacher in L.A. who was asked to scab. And as often happens during strikes, you know, the money uh, the bosses can't find for the workers. They're, they're more than happy to shill out for the scabs. They're yeah. offering pretty, pretty, I think it was like $30 an hour for uh, scab workers during the strike. And she thought about it. And she decided after meeting with the teachers that no, she she believed in the cause and she was going to go out and yeah. strike too, even if it was going to be personally difficult for her. Uh, which is how it has to be, you know. Right. People need to—that's how solidarity works. Right. Well, you I know we, we hold we hold each other up when, uh, you know, we're all down for the, you know, the long term benefit of uh, success.
2: Right. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I was just going to mention. I think part of that is that she maybe realized how important the strike was to the children. Right. Like, because a lot of the people, I, I think the the. The teachers' union has done a, done a really good job with countering the like oh what well, you're de- you're you're hurting you're just hurting the children by doing this. They're damaging right. that argument by just basically saying, look man, if you want if you want the best for the for the students, then the, the teachers can't work like this. Right. Like they can't have fifty students in the class. They can't
1: do you know. They, they can not have no one of, to go to if they're sick,
2: right? And they they can't do dozens of hours of unpaid uh, volunteer, quote unquote, volunteer sure. work, which we heard, you know, on the on um, the teaching episode is often very, um, you know, self policed within the school, like by you know whatever. But if this really is about the kids, then they should absolutely be striking like, because they're going to be, you know. So uh, uh,
1: while I was prepping for this, I read an editorial by the uh, the LA Times about this is before the strike actually started. Uh, and if you're not familiar with the L.A. Times, it's like the mirror image of the New York Times, where the New York Times is the uh, uh, the liberal establishment East Coast paper, the L.A. Times is the reactionary establishment West Coast paper, uh, and they predictably had an editorial that was uh, L.A. teachers going on strike would hurt the poorest of the students, <laughs> and you know f- from that newspaper you just assume utter bad faith, and you know we know from talking about the strike and yeah. from hearing from the strikers Recently this is for the students, though, the L.A. Times, today. yes.
0: Things are looking up there. Hopefully. Well, well I mean, maybe we'll see. Yeah. Editorial's still not great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, now, this splinter article you had mentioned earlier it focuses on a substitute named Irene Pineda, who originally had planned that you know she was going to scab. She was this was money that she couldn't really afford to pass up, mm. but she met with a you know met with members of the teachers union and uh, to quote. She realized that her own future as an educator was inextricably linked to the battle that full-time teachers were preparing to wage. Quote, they helped change my perspective by explaining all the things that they were fighting for, including things that would help me if I chose to become a full-time educator, like smaller class sizes, and just getting the district to spend money on hiring more teachers, Pineda told Splinter. One of the teachers who reached out to Pineda was Rebecca Flynn, a high school history teacher who had substituted herself. She knew that substitutes were being targeted by the district, which made it that much more important to reach out to the ones she knew would be needing the work. Quote, we had to have some hard conversations about what union solidarity means, Flynn told Splinter from the picket line on Tuesday. We had to ask them to make sacrifices and show them that if the subs didn't also strike, the teachers would not be nearly as powerful a force.
1: Yep. Yeah, it's a great, great summation of you know her her position and uh. You know, the, the choice a lot of people who are given to scab or not have to make and, you know, try to understand. So it sounds like actually the, the Teachers Union in L.A. did a really good job of uh, internal education to, you know, build yeah, solidarity going into concerns, the strike. Sure.
0: The strike vote there was like 99, 97 percent. Right. right. Yeah,
1: that was it was –
0: it's 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 really
1: uplifting yeah. to watch. In fact, and yeah,
2: yeah. It's I mean, it, it feels very rare for someone to choose like long term goals versus right. their own short term personal. Because they did. They I remember in the article. I think they 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 were offering her like like forty two dollars an hour or it, something like that after not having steady work for quite some time.
1: And especially in L A, where even when the workers, the teachers win this strike, they're still going to be making a teacher's salary in Los Angeles, and you right. know, th- yeah, it's going to be very hard for them regardless. Uh, but nonetheless, you know, they they still persist.
0: And this continues a larger pattern we've seen of these big, successful teacher strikes in the past year or so. Uh, you know, we've talked repeatedly on the show about the strikes last year in West Virginia and Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And I think West Virginia, at least, a state where it is illegal for public employees to go on strike, you know, right. which is something we'll get back to as this episode goes on. Um, it's inspiring to see... You know, all this, you know, the sort of uh, vilification of public teachers that has so uh, been the focus of right-wing media for decades now. It, and, and it cent- has no effect.
1: And Democratic Party oh, media, to be yeah. sure. Absolutely. You know, Cory Booker uh,
0: was, was at, a charter, was, school was at a charter
1: school in New Orleans. We've talked about New Orleans and uh, what happened to the public education system on the show before. It's completely charter school now. And with no... Democratic control of the public education system. There are neighborhoods, majority black, as you can imagine, who aren't just don't have schools anymore. Yeah, the, the charter schools are only serving uh, the students the charter schools want to serve, which are, you know, of course, the people in positions of power and uh, privilege to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. and that—that's what. Uh, sorry, just to be yeah. clear, that's what the LA teachers are fighting against. They don't want New Orleans. Or Cory Booker's Man. Democratic Party vision of the world to be their future.
0: Man has no sense of reading the room you know? <laughs> <laughs> to do right. that as this strike is. I, going I am
1: heartened to see that he seems to be the only holdout in the charter school scam. Yeah. Other other Democrats are realizing that it, it's finally become toxic after mm-hmm. and, you know eight eight years of Obama making that.
0: Right. And Key seen, to his
1: educational policy,
0: we've seen a few of the uh, like presidential hopefuls and uh, Alexandria Classical Cortez, you know, express their solidarity sure. with the LA teachers during the strike, which has been good to see. You know, yeah. it, teachers unions feel like they almost have a voice in the party again right. after many decades where right. they were.
1: They're 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 taking advantage in, in a good way of an economy where we hear every day the importance of education. Uh, and where, you know, since we're not materially producing things the way we were a generation ago, uh, what we are producing are, you know, kind of neoliberal thinkers or uh, I don't know how to phrase it.
0: And more broadly, it's an economy where, you know, there's un- the unemployment rate is low. And, it, you know, as theory would suggest, this is when worker power is high, right. you know, when there's not a lot of, you know, the W- willing scabs just waiting for you to right. Uh, right. plug in the gaps.
2: I just wanted to mention too, real just real quick. We were talking about the charterization. There is, uh, there's been wildcat strikes in Oakland as well. That's yeah. been sort of. I, I mean, I would assume it was inspired by the uh, the L.A. Uh, strike as well. But they, I didn't realize that the the charterization rate in Oakland is almost twenty five percent. Yeah, it's like just it's like twenty four and some change percent. <laughs> And that to me is just that's just crazy, and that's one of the things that they're going to they're they're swinging for the fences for up There is just drastically reducing the charterization because it's mm-hmm. just getting it's getting out of hand up there. Yeah.
0: It, these are wildcat strikes, meaning they aren't yeah. officially endorsed by union leadership. Right. Yeah, and which, I think
2: that they were one day to be specific, but yeah. still, I mean, just that they're you know.
0: It, the the L.A. strike has had support of union leadership, which hasn't always been the case in these. Um, yeah. West Virginia and Oklahoma, the, they were also like wildcat strikes, you know, led by right. the rank yeah. and file yeah. as opposed to yeah. union leadership who would want less. Basically. Right. <laughs> but yeah. <they're>, right. <laughs> which is, you know, a common. It's, an, of, it's, it's an old story, too. Mm-hmm. And it's something that we're seeing with the shutdown, I think we can say. It's something union leadership there has been surprisingly quiet as you know thousands of workers go without pay.
1: Right, yeah, that, that's one thing that's it's been boggling my mind about this strike is just how absent union leadership, like mo- almost all federal employees are belong to some sort of union. Uh, there are very few federal employees who are not unionized. But the best leadership has come up with so far is to uh, file an injunction in court or uh, file an attempt to get an injunction from the court to pay them for their work uh, and f- i think 5 days ago the the court they filed the, in- the the injunction claim in denied their claim on the completely logical basis that it's not the court's business it's a political issue mm-hmm. and they're right now granted it's illegal for federal workers to strike you mm-hmm. know th- since uh, president carter yeah a uh, liberal icon uh updated the national labor relations act federal employees cannot strike uh, but you know what we're seeing right now? We're seeing a federal government that's striking against its workers. Mm-hmm. It's time for the workers of this country to just fight back, walk off the job, don't yeah. go to work, pick at line, pick at your agencies, pick at your buildings, make it clear that you matter, that you are uh, essential to the function of uh, this government and the society, Right. and you know, make your voices heard. You, you can't be silent. You can't just be... Um, existing only in photo ops of George W. Bush bringing pizza, <laughs> right. or unfortunate, God, painful to watch, you know, video of food lines in Washington D.C. Uh, <sighs> you know, furloughed workers are at the, the bottom of their, you know, their reserves. What choice, what do you have at this point? Uh, Don't work. Walk right. off the job. Right.
0: And that's that sort of sentiment is going to be the subject of our last seg- segment of this show after this break. Hey, hey guys, you know that feeling you have at work? That dead inside feeling? Bad news, we can't really help with that. Good news, we can help you waste some time at work. You're listening to Punching Out on wayo lp Rochester. Your boss isn't listening, but we are. Welcome back to Punching Out. I'm Ryan, joined by Rich and Earl. Whatever. As Rich just uh, said so well, we... Federal workers are in a bind. Um, they aren't being paid. They're, some of them are at work. Some of them are not at work. And, like, you've heard stories about them relying on the gig economy during this shutdown to make ends meet. Yeah. Um, we've seen pictures of federal employees, you know, waiting in line at food banks. You know, Things that only happen under socialism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, supposedly. Yeah, right, yeah. You know, these are the things that we were told we were avoiding. Right workers aren't being paid you know this situation you know has been going on for 3 weeks now they've missed at least one paycheck and more are on the way you know if this continues mm-hmm. what should be done about this
1: strike
2: yeah that's that feels like the right answer but yeah like like rich mentioned it's it's illegal for federal employees to strike which i didn't i didn't know that mostly cuz i'm dumb and don't know anything but that's that to me was really surprising, uh, and, and what's, the, what's the last major thing that happened to people that...
0: Well, well you know, before yeah. <laughs> that, I, I, I think it's worth noting that, like, illegal has a lot of different terms, you know? Not every jaywalker is going to get ticketed. Sure, you know, right, okay, right, right, yeah. The question is enforcement, and you know, there are, there are ways, uh, it's been suggested that Democrats should back a bill where they would you know, issue support to you know, striking workers if they chose that route, you right. know, to say... Right. Okay, you're not going to get in trouble if you go on strike basically, you know. There right. are there are ways to work around the law because enforcement is what matters. Right. But True. okay. At, as you uh, were leading into um in 1981, you know, Ronald Reagan's first year in office, you know, the last time we had a major federal employee strike, I think unless you can think of more significant examples. Of, I mean, this
1: this descended it.
0: Yeah. Um, the PATCO, which is the uh, union for air traffic controllers, they went on strike, and well, it didn't go well. Uh, yes, that's quite <laughs> That seems right. Yeah, an
1: understatement of the uh, yeah. the young year. Right?
0: Mm-hmm. Reagan famously, you know, ordered them back to work. You know, he used the law, you know, as written against the workers. You know, he enforced the law and crushed the union effectively. They, we talked about when you're. When you have to work, you don't have that strike tool at your advantage. You're negotiating from a position of weakness. Right. right.
1: Yeah. So it, again, it's worth reiterating. I mentioned it before the break, but uh, the law under which Reagan was able to fire the forty thousand co workers had been passed during the Carter administration. Mm-hmm. Uh, the '70s were uh, a period of pretty intense labor militancy, and it was a Democratic administration that wanted to put the tamp that, down on it. And then it was that Reagan that, that really began brought it the home. Response to that. Right. right? Yeah. Which
0: Was then escalated by Reagan with crushing the Paco strike, and it really set the tone for the remainder of the 80s and this whole neoliberal era that we've been living in ever since. Right.
1: It it always struck me just how cruel it was. It wasn't just that he fired them, which is cruel enough, but they are actually barred by statute from federal employment for the rest of their lives. Wow. That was uh, one of the other consequences of the Paco strike. So that was... A shot right across the bow of certainly public employees' unions, uh, but at really every union in America. Uh, the federal government never really had their back, but now it was actively hostile again, right? And uh, was was going to uh, ensure that workers worked and no matter how how they is, felt about you it. You
0: know, sort of public employees becoming the enemy, right? To many a right wing mind, right? So.
1: Yeah, that, that's an old trope. You know, going back to the New Deal. Uh, you know, when when the federal government balloons in size, and you know the right wing identifies federal employees as the enemy, writ large—not
0: just federal, but you know, public employees sure, like yeah. teachers, especially right. federal
1: employees. But you're you're right; it's it's government. Uh, at at every level is the bad guy, unless they carry a gun and uh, attack a designated outsider.
0: Given that backdrop, you know, we haven't really changed. You know, if anything, situation for workers has. Only gotten worse since. You know, unionization is at its lowest point in history. It's, you know, depressingly low. It's slightly higher in the public sector, but not by enough. And
1: we've talked about the Supreme Court, uh, I think in a couple of the shows of of, uh, Punching Out, they're coming for us. Uh, This is a point actually Hamilton Nolan made about the recent Supreme Court decisions, is that they've been gutting collective bargaining rights Mm -hmm. as part of a, you know, well-concerted, well-organized effort. But you know what? Collective bargaining rights came about to stop strikes. Mm-hmm. The, the the goal of collective bargaining was to end strikes, and they're taking away collective bargaining. What that means is we're going to need to undertake a lot more strikes in order to get our rights back, in order to expand our rights to where they were, uh, really, mm-hmm. or beyond where they were, I should say.
0: Mm-hmm. So, so in a, in a lot of senses, it's understandable why you know federal employees might be hesitant to use this weapon, you know, given the examples we have in the past, but I think there are a lot of reasons why this situation is a lot different than the Patco situation, you know. Trump's now in his 3rd year in office and, yeah. you know, he's much less popular than Ronald Reagan was, you know. <laughs> right. The shutdown is very unpopular. Yeah. You know, they aren't getting paid is one thing. You right. know, it's they're not negotiating for higher pay. They are, you know, wanting to be paid for the work they are currently It's it's a doing.
1: strike for pay. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Which, you know, it's been pointed out that, you know, Say what you will about the legality of federal employees striking. You know, we have laws against not paying your workers. Sure, <laughs> right. That seems like it should take precedent. Yeah. <laughs> and uh,
1: just to you know, really underscore Ryan's point about you know the fluid meaning of illegality. <laughs> it, it really goes back to that idea of essential versus non-essential being utterly arbitrary. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, the people defined as non-essential. You know, we'll see how just how essential they are when the government decides they need them to work and shouldn't go on strike.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. And we've seen sort of like we've seen the long lines in airports, which, you know, you've said your piece about TSA workers. It's entirely correct. But, you know, to to some extent, they are the people who have a lot of leverage that, you know, ordinary government employees don't have and that they interact with the public. They are public facing. They interact with people who have enough money to go on flights, you know. Yeah. Public right. sentiment, you know, is all federal employees should go on strike, but TSA employees especially, I feel, have maybe more leverage than some of their other yeah. counterparts.
2: Well, and they- it's leverage over the people who we want to – because like like mm-hmm. we talked about before, the people that are, uh, you know, less well off uh, are already going being directly affected by the shutdown through things like WIC and, and et cetera. Um but so you yeah you're now you're going after the suburbanites and like you said mm-hmm. people that can afford to take flights and stuff so and they the best we can do with them is inconvenience them mm-hmm. you know we can't or like and that's what they need to do and,
0: and this gets back to the idea of you know unemployment is low if you know hundreds of thousands of federal employees are going on strike where are you going to find their replacements in, in right. this economy you know who's going to want to right. you know sit at the tsa desk for again no pay
2: right exactly yeah and yeah, that's the thing it's not it's not a very uh, it doesn't look
1: very they interesting they can't even pay the scabs <laughs> right yeah right exactly in, insofar as we've seen any uh, militancy uh, from federal workers at least reported we've seen it from tsa workers in the forms of you know pretty kind of subterranean resistance mostly in the forms of sick outs right. uh, so they're just calling out of work and mm-hmm. you know doing you know chops that pay mm-hmm. and, instead right. of showing up And again, just to reiterate, don't go back to work. Uh, (laughs) You know, just just just, get 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 a real job. Get (laughs) a get or let me put it another way, get a socially useful job. Don't get a job that uh, bolsters security theater in
0: airports. (laughs) Um, There was a a recent just this past cup this past weekend. I think um, a an article in Splinter. It's an anonymous letter from a couple federal employees Mm. saying, you know, we're federal employees and it's time to strike. They talk about you know it's the fourth week of this shutdown, and you know this has gone on long enough. The in, quote "The indignities to both the federal workforce and the American public should never have been allowed to go this far. It's time for federal workers to organize and strike the government, which here here Yes, right. yeah absolutely endorsed
1: right Yes <laughs> yeah, for sure. This, this this local regional community radio program fully yeah, endorses we're, this. We're segment. behind you yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to the
0: extent that yeah. our you know suggestion matters. You know, right. obviously there are real obstacles. You know, there's reasons to be weary if you're a federal worker of just you know not going in. But what do you have to lose at this point? Right. We don't want to trivialize. You know. The act of, that, of course, but, yeah. right, yeah, I, is, I don't want to come know, across as yeah. Glib. There's like, historical we, evidence we, of the government's being
2: super vindictive.
0: I, I can't,
1: <laughs> I can't imagine Trump uh, behaving at all reasonably when it comes to oh. striking workers. Right, yeah,
0: but you know, and this gets again, you know, public sentiment won't be on his side. You right, know, it it never is almost ever, but especially <laughs> if you know, if he starts going after you know workers, you know, right. the the people he claims yeah. to champion, you know.
1: That, that, that was something about the Patco strike that's worth uh, mentioning, too, is that they did not have public support, mm-hmm. uh, and that's part of the reason why Reagan was able to just kind of do away with yeah. them, is that people mm-hmm. were like, oh, these greedy union workers are, yeah. mm-hmm. are at it again.
0: Patco, as it's been pointed out, you know, had endorsed Reagan's campaign. Right, yeah. yeah.
1: In large part, ironically, because Carter had passed the law that eventually led them all to getting fired, but oh, it was yeah, kind of a weird situation. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. I'm going to quote again from this anonymous letter, uh, quote, the administration knows that Even if only 10% of essential and exempt federal employees walk off the job, the workings of the American economy will slow to a grind, creating a cascading effect of delays, closings, and cost overruns that will quickly overwhelm political executives and appointees. The work that we do as federal workers, especially those of us deemed essential, touches many aspects of the American and global economy. A noticeable shutdown, if not an outright stop of commerce, transit, logistics, and production will bring this outrage against our nation to an end. And I think at this point, this may be the only tool that can end the shutdown is, you know, an outside force, you know, coming in to, you know, break the deadlock. Right. Because as I've mentioned before, there's not much incentive on either side to, you know, cave
1: and so we, we've already seen Mitch McConnell who's probably the biggest obstructionary force in government right now prove his willingness again and again just drag his feet he doesn't he doesn't care if the government works that's not his ideological position that the government should even work at all right and so this you know is in his benefit he's not going to do anything about it Trump, Barely knows how the government works, uh, so he. I don't think he's he
0: already called the shutdown a strike. Yeah, which is oh, very so very funny. Just
1: just just go out, walk. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. Well, that article it's funny too because the article mentions that even if even if only ten percent of them were decided to walk off, and that's that's. Uh, Much not even lower
0: c- than you would want for a, any other strike.
2: Right, right, but it's also not even including which. I mean, I can't. I should have written it down. I don't remember who exactly was the article about a general strike to in solidarity with the federal mm-hmm. workers. So you're talking about the federal workers go on strike, and then if anybody else decides to tag along, uh, mm-hmm. now you're talking about which potentially huge illegal, amounts of people. But also, right? Yeah, Yeah, right. Yeah, right. You yeah. Know, come on. What are we we're talking breaking about? one law? Just keep it rolling, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, this would that that would have potential. I mean. If TSA goes on strike, then, or anybody, any of these federal, uh, you know, even if it's just single agencies that do it, uh, it's going to empower a lot of people uh, in other, you know, lines of work or outside of the federal government potentially to do the same.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, And then hopefully it can set the tone for what what we as workers should all expect down the line. You know, hopefully it can be sort of a reverse PATCO in a way and mark the beginning of something new, something better.
1: I think visible successful strikes like the teacher strikes uh like you said we'll set a tone it'll create an ecosystem where labor actions are seen to work uh, and seen to get benefits for the people who participate them and so we'll only see them increase uh in scope and in you know
0: segments of the economy and there's public appetite for this sort of action i think you know right you know setting aside you know the fact that the shutdown itself is deeply unpopular there's you know, like public sentiment has been behind the teachers and all of these recent strikes, which has been, you know, very nice to see for a change. Right.
1: And we, we are at a rare moment, you know, as Ryan has pointed out a few times, a full employment in the economy. I can't remember the last time we saw that, but with the caveat that most of these jobs still aren't paying really well. Mm-hmm. It's full employment with wage stagnation. They're paying at, at they're, all. They're paying. Compared they're, to- yeah. I mean, that great, but <laughs> you know, this is our moment. Scant though it's been to reclaim some of the wages they've been stealing from us for the past generation, uh, to get you know our worth or our, our worth as workers back, uh, yeah. from the people who have been seizing them from us.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, when this shutdown began, you know, I, I had been skeptical of, that it would even matter because you know we had one last year that didn't last and nobody remembered it by election day. Yeah, but at this point, you know, it, it feels like a bigger moment in you know the political landscape now and there's real potential here uh
2: yeah there's a ton of potential i mean basically you know bare bare minimum the federal employees go on strike and they're they're just asking to be paid for Mm -hmm. the work that they're doing but um what they could also do is go on strike and start asking for more better Mm -hmm. wages better benefits uh and the way that that could potentially cascade, which is something that we've talked about in, in episodes past, um, you know, and things when we talked about the federal job guarantee and things like that, is that you're now you have the opportunity to set a baseline for all employment in the United States because now you've got a federal workforce that's uh, well compensated, uh, has good benefits, has good, you know, maternity leave, all these things that we talk about that we hope workers can get. Uh, if you have a baseline set for that. Uh, at the federal level, then now capital has to compete with a what should be a social enterprise. You know government jobs should be motivated by social good and not necessarily the profit margin. i know that 's not exactly where we are, blah blah blah, but in an ideal scenario that 's what happens, and now capital has to compete with these people who are being compensated extremely well, and people could get those jobs if they wanted to the, yeah you
1: know, probably and I think there 's an opportunity here to draw some inspiration from the l a teachers strike you know the if federal employees were to go on strike you know they they could really use as as a as a chance to point out uh just what the Trump administration's been doing to their their jobs and to their agencies and to make a positive claim about their value as federal workers and where they would like to see uh improvements on their value like where else could they you know develop projects or you know develop services for public benefit
0: even before the shutdown, you know, the administration has been cutting, you know, like EPA regulations. Yeah. They've been cutting, you know, uh, enforcement of, like, minimum wage laws. You know, there there was a political article about how, like, sorely understaffed, like, OSHA and, like, wage enforcement, you know, uh, that, that part of the bureaucracy is. Yeah. And, you know, those are things that are solely for the benefit of workers, in effect. You know? yeah,
1: yeah. Speaking of illegal, we have the, the the spectacle of an executive branch that is just choosing which laws it chooses to enforce.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. Not to make this about electoral politics, but like when people are ramping up to run for president, this is you know a moment where you know a federal strike would become a litmus test for Democratic hopefuls. You know, you know, people would be asked, you know, where do you stand on Federal employees being allowed to strike on their demands on you know where were you when they went on the picket line you know right. and hopefully yeah Cory Booker right exactly yeah exactly and, and hopefully yeah. people will you know support you know candidates who offer their support to workers but right
2: yeah of course yeah well that's I think it's it's very clear it, it, this is the most clear it's been in a long time that this is a direct attack on P you can't attack workers any harder than not paying them. I mean, that's that's as strong arm as it gets. Right. So if if for anyone that has any, you'd think. Right. So anybody that still has a feeling of, uh, you know, that Trump or the administration is, uh, you know, for the working man. Mm -hmm. uh, Come on. What was
0: his line about, you know, well, if they can't pay rent, they can offer services to the landlords. They can, you know. He had some line about how, you know, they can ask for, you know, a delay or something, probably because as somebody with lots of debt in the past, you know, that's the sort of thing he's been able to get.
1: Trump has never paid a bill in his life. Right. (laughs) Right. The only source of his money. Right.
0: Yeah. (laughs) He's barely paid checks. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's,
2: yeah, that's from his point of view. It's just all... Free, anyways. (laughs) What the hell?
1: (laughs) Why? Why doesn't their dad just give them some money (laughs) to to get them through the strike?
0: We we have the wage theft president. Yeah, yeah. Well, here's the the result of that. Yes, Um,
2: but uh, but Ryan, I think your point about you know uh, electoral politics and things like that is is interesting too because it allows us to you know to revisit the actual act that makes federal strikes illegal in the first place. Like, this mm-hmm. is an opportunity for that as well. Not only potential to, um, you know, raise the conditions of federal employees and then potentially raise them for everybody get else across the country. Get this law off the books. Get this law off the books, right, exactly. Right, yeah, yeah, as soon as this, yeah, this should be something that they is talked about and, immediately.
0: And there have been proposals that, you know, in future shutdowns, you know, workers shouldn't have to wait for their paychecks, you know. It, there, there should be some mechanism for continuing the funding of the government, right. even in situations such as this, yeah. because – like in the UK and in parliamentary systems, you know, you know, a, a budget, you know, impasse like this would result in new elections. Basically, yeah, you know, it would be a vote of no confidence in the prime minister, and you know, hey, now democracy is back, you know, in right. charge, yeah. so to speak. And there have also been other efforts that shouldn't be confused, which would like uh, say the government should not shut down, but it would just do the thing that Republicans want and just pare the government down in these cases of impasse, so just, like, automatically, which would be stupid and bad. <laughs> yes, I agree, stupid and bad, absolutely. <laughs> this is a weird situation. Um, it's unprecedented, is fair to say. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, But these sorts of situations are can be turning points, hopefully. They can be, you know, pivots in, you know... The course of American history, you know, not to get too grand about this, you know, not to get, you know, cause this will probably be overshadowed by like some scandal in a month, but right.
1: The, I mean, yeah. the, the Miller investigations coming out soon, I, I feel like that might take some of the wind out of the sails at this moment.
0: There will be something dumber and worse than this <laughs> in a month. <laughs> yeah. But until that happens, you know, we can have hope for the future and hope that maybe this will resolve in a way that isn't dumb. I mean, yeah, like you mentioned, there's a ton of potential.
1: But at at best, the the Trump administration uh, will hopefully end in fire and (laughs) and we'll we'll rebuild something better out of the ashes. Uh, This is a fire. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is an opportunity for us. Uh, We can't just let it burn to cinders. We have to also think about how we're going to rebuild out of it. Uh, So this is the opportunity.
0: Mm -hmm. That's a very good note to end on, I think. (laughs) I'm Ryan. I'm Earl. I'm Rich. This is Punching Out.